You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Soil Solver is a product that helps turn sand into usable soil. My business partner Ben Sims, who's a landscaping business owner as well as a board member for the Landscape Industry Association of Western Australia, swears by it. Today we're lucky enough to have on the show the business owner and creator, Gavin Davis. G'day Gavin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you Dan, it's great to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about this fabulous product? Yeah, Soil Salver came about slowly over the last 15 years actually, I was actually spreading clay on my farm. That's how it started. It's just farmers have been doing it around the world for actually centuries, believe it or not. Not something many people are aware of, but it was happening back in England before the Industrial Revolution. And what exactly are you talking about when you say that this has been going on for a long time? Well, we've got sandy soils and we the best soil is the loam, which is clay. and That's kaolin clay. Kaolin silt or coarser particles. And then you've got the larger sand-sized particles, often containing the minerals. And a blend of all them gives the best soil texture, and those mineral components must contain all the minerals that's needed in the soil. The problem we've got in much of Australia, particularly Perth, is basically it's just beach sand. A very low mineral content, very poor mineral balance, and trying to garden on it has been extremely difficult. And in my opinion, the advice given has been detrimental to long-term healthy gardens, unless you're into something very, very high input, and then you can just just survive. But adding clay to it just changes it to what nature should have done in the first place, and it just revolutionises how you can garden. So when you say the advice that people generally give out is the wrong advice, what advice are you talking about? Basically, it was if you put lots of organic matter on sandy soil, you will improve it. Yes, you do in short term. The long-term problem is organic matter will create an alkaline hydrophobic sand, and that is almost impossible to grow in the beginning. How that occurs is... Organics and the testing I've done are always high in magnesium, low in calcium. So that trends the soil to be more alkaline, which is what would have happened in Perth. And the organics, when you put them on sand, the organics get leached out. The carbon humus gets leached from the soil, leaving behind an oily wax, which coats all the sand particles with a nice glossy finish. And of course, the water just beads on top and yeah, I'm sure we've all seen that at some stage, and particularly in Perth, it's regular. So that's the end result of the advice we're giving. And, of course, the solution was add more fertiliser and add wetting agent. Wetting agent actually is quite expensive, and half the fertiliser sold for gardens in Australia are sold in Perth. You can see where we've ended up, and the, what we need to do is actually add the clay. And can you just go down to the park maybe? Uh, the, I mean, I know that... N- there may not be a clay park if you live in a sandy environment, but you get the idea. Can you just add any old clay? Yeah, people do that, but the problem is the clay's got the same mineral deficiencies as the sand. Most clays, you know, are all sticky, hard setting. Well, that's a sign of very chronic calcium deficiency. And unless that's rectified correctly, all you're doing is adding a calcium deficient product, and it's also mineral deficient, to a sandy soil, which is calcium deficient. Yeah, it looks wet, but it doesn't grow much. And of course, lots of humus and things, and you sort of think you're doing well. But when you've used a product like Soil Solver, which is a clay that's very low in calcium when I dig it up, 
and also low in, low in some minerals. When you correct that so you get the correct balance of minerals and correct the calcium-magnesium ratio, apply it to your soils and, yeah, it's magnificent. We've got some very good pictures on our web pages. Uh, it's Facebook, the soil cyber Facebook and the soil cyber webpage of gardens, which are just spectacular with the product. And, yeah, it's a really great thing to see when you drive around and see somebody use soil cyber and their verge tree is four times bigger than all the rest down the street. So can you tell me a little bit about what exactly is the type of clay? Because clay is not clay is not clay, is it? The, basically, the best clay is kaolin. That's what nature uses in our soil. There's been a lot of hype about montmorillonite clay, commonly known as bentonite. That is not a clay found in soils around the world, let alone in Australia, and it has no characteristics which you want for a soil. In other words, because it seals the soil. That's why we use it to seal dams. The difference between them is bentonite will stick to another bentonite particle and cause a seal and cause the water to be soil to be waterlogged, driving oxygen and negative particles and negative minerals out of the soil. Whereas kaolin clay with its lower CEC sticks to sand particles and sticks to a humus particle. And of course that forms a pet of soil. When you have this and the mineral content in the clay, the microbes that are available in our soils that like to eat oily waxes can now survive and hence they eat the oily wax and there disappears your hydrophobic problem. So you can manage your soil with clay to not have a hydrophobic problem and not use wetting agents. In Perth, you're talking about you have some sandy soils. Is there something actually inherently wrong with those sandy soils? There's not a lot right with them. They're all fairly coarse. <laughs> Very low in mineral content. Some of the mineral contents in single digits of what we actually need. So, you know, if like 100, if 50 parts per million is 100% of what you require in the soil, some of them were down to 5%. So it makes it very difficult to get, you know, healthy plants. And that's just for growing ornamentals. If you're going to go into going to the veggie garden part of the world, you need the 65 minerals. So there's 15 that plants need to grow, but there's another 50 that we need to contaminate the plants so that we eat them. And a couple of them are cobalt and selenium. Plants will grow quite happily without them. But selenium, we are dead in three weeks if we don't consume selenium. So that's that's an important part. And that's quite low in our soils. And it's probably leading to a lot of health problems because it's generally not applied when our food production process. I think a lot of people focus on NPK. They do. And of course, that leads to imbalances in the soil. And I've got, in my house, I've been here seven years now, my irrigation broke down and of course the lawn died. It even over winter. Almost nothing grows there now because the soil has been destroyed by NPK. Because mm. wow. NPK always contains lots of sulfur and sulfur leaches all the calcium out of the soil. Another thing I was the first person to bring to the attention of the industry Everybody thought organics didn't cause any trouble, but when I started saying, yes, organics create the hydrophobic soil, some people didn't actually believe me until I could, you know, it's the first thing I learned when I went farming 50 years ago that you grow a good legume crop, you're going to create a hydrophobic soil and you need to manage it somehow. Yeah, it's certainly surprising for me to hear that um, organic matter is going to make the problem worse because I've always heard that that's the yeah the solution. That's what I've always been told. Yeah, it's universal. And if you've got all the minerals and everything in your soil, fine, not a problem. Uh, but there's one thing I've discovered though, once I put my clay in the soil, if you use a lot of organics with high phosphorus, 
because you eliminate leaching, very quickly the phosphate levels in your soil rise to a level which you don't ever need to apply phosphate again. And I've got that in my veggie garden already in seven years or six years, just astronomically. So I've got to be quite careful in selecting low P inputs for the veggie garden now. Okay. And what are they? What are your low P inputs? If you were going to get mulch, I would I'd go towards straw or something that's not been composted with any manures. Any manures, you just can't use it. Even some of the, the compost that we actually sell as part of the business, that's a high P compost. I have got source for low P compost, which is more suitable, and I have to start using that. Even that will keep the levels up. So it's a difficult thing to do when you stop the leaching of the P, which just goes to show you the damage the phosphate leaching into our water table and hence the rivers of Perth is doing to the environment. And that's one of the things that we hear about, but everybody thinks organic matter is going to stop it. It's actually the, it's actually the major cause along with fertilisers. I mean, on the surface of it, it seems to make sense, you know, because organic matter is like a sponge. It kind of like soaks up water but it also doesn't hold it too much to let it drain. So on the surface of it, it certainly seems to make sense that it would fix it. One of the things that people have got to be aware of, it was while well, our Department of Ag recommends to farmers to have 8 to 12% clay content when we apply it to our farm soils, which I've done on my farm. In reality, we're getting away with 5% in the birth gardens as a basic level where they don't need to apply a wetting agent and they're getting a healthy garden. So this actual 5% clay content in the soil, of course, no clay product is 100% clay. It's got a percentage of clay in it. Mine's the highest by about three to four times on the market, and that's 45 50% clay content, which is when I started testing other clays around the places, the next best I've tested is about one-third as good, and I've got that clay on my farm as well. Okay. Which one's that? It's another, it's the white kaolin clay, very white, which is very common. Uh, it's right throughout the wheat belt in WA in the subsoil, though, not as a surface clay. It's in the, always in the subsoil. Uh, it's only 20% clay, but the product itself is 100% of the clay chemistry. And the same as my soil solver clay plus, it's 100% clay chemistry, but only 45% of it is smaller than 2 micron, which is the second test for clay for the clay test. And that's part of the important thing when you if you're buying a product is how much clay is actually got in it. And it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare that one because people just claim it's all clay and no one knows that it's not. When you say that five percent of the soil as being soil solver is a good number to hit, how deep in the profile are we talking? Yeah, I'll just I'll go a bit to that. Five percent of the, by weight of the soil on the top 100 millimetres of what we work on needs to be a clay that's smaller than 2 micron. So as the clay product is 50% roughly, you need 10 kilos a square metre as the minimum. And right. where veggie gardens, I say, go to 20, that's in the top 100 millimetres. If you want to go deeper, my recommendation would be increase the rates higher. While some people say that's expensive, the end result is quite astonishing gardens and veggie productions, but it's basically forever, number one. And number two, the mineral content of Soul Solvers Clay Plus is the same as rock minerals you buy down the shop. And the cheapest on the market is $2 a kilo, up to $6 a kilo. 
Yeah, soil silver varies from 80 cents a kilo up to about $1.60, depending on where you buy it and what quantity you're buying it in. So you're really treating it almost as a fertilizer as well, basically. Yeah, the fertilizer, it's an amendment product as distinct from fertilizer. Fertilizer means that it's been altered in a factory to make the minerals soluble. My product is all natural rocks and ores and clay, that's all it is. It's 100% natural. It's actually organically certified, so it's, we carry a certification on it because it's that natural. And what sort of testing have you put this product through? Well, most of it's because I started not knowing as much as I do now 11 years ago, but I knew it would work, and it did. And, yes, over time I've changed a few things, added, you know, not added much more, added a couple of things a bit more because it was just not coming through enough. But the results speak for themselves. As far as the manufacturing process goes, yes, I test the batches that come through, and if they're not up to scratch, I have to re-blend it to get the required levels that, you know, the standards that we maintain as a business. We, I work on being right up there as the Rolls-Royce end of the market. Mm. And we sell, and I believe, is a very competitive price for what people get. We've got clients put lawn down the soil solar, no wedding agent, no fertilizer in the green lawn five years later, still going great. You know, how cheap is that? Oh, by the way, half the water use. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a no-brainer really when you look at it. The cost of wedding agent, for instance, if you use label rates, in about five years, you've used $8 a square metre of wedding agent and you've still got a pretty crappy lawn. Or pretty crappy garden. You've got nothing in it. You've got nothing for your money. Yeah, as you can see, it's a, basically a no-brainer to use a product like mine and get that clay content up and get the mineral content up. Yeah, that's what I've done from my experience from farming. Wow, that's incredible. In the past, you've always sort of focused on Western Australia, but recently you're looking at further east towards where I am and you know Queensland and all that. Can you tell me a little bit about where you're going? in terms of location, and where do you think could use you that are not using you right now? Anywhere there's sandy soil in Australia or anywhere there's sandy soil could use the product. Yes, we did a Garden Gurus couple of marketing campaigns of them a couple of months ago, three months ago, and, yeah, sort of emails and everything lit up quite nicely. Trouble is, most of them were from the over east, (laughs) particularly New South Wales, and everybody says, oh, but... Yeah, we've got a clay in New South Wales. Yeah. yeah. But there's an awful lot of country in New South Wales or in Sydney, for instance. And then up on the north coast of New South Wales, going up to Brisbane, that's just sand. Yeah. We had a lot of inquiry from South Australia, Victoria, and New, and New South Wales, as well as Queensland. Uh, as a result, we had a new business manager at that stage had some changes within the business and she was very proactive. So suddenly we're in South Australia. We worked out a way of overcoming the freight problem because it's a bulky problem. Mm-hmm. It's a, basically for transport, it's a low-value bulky product. So we've managed to get it into those states. Price competitive was it Garden World and Victoria has got it. They're just north of the Morning Peninsula, so that's good for us. They're doing quite well with it. And Flower Power in Sydney has just opened up a week ago. They've had it one week now. Yeah, obviously selling product and we've got some reorder from the first two states. We're just looking for nurseries in Queensland, in the sandy areas. Well, I know we have a few 
exist in Queensland. In fact, uh, quite a few. And I hope that their ears are perking up right now if they're sort of associated with any nurseries. Well, yes. It, uh, if you've got the product, people will drive quite a distance to buy it. When they come to your shop just to buy one product, I bet they don't walk out with one product. But, you know, the old story, we go down for Bottom and Melbourne, come home with half the shop. Uh, garden people seem to be like that. They go down for one product and come home with a whole lot of plants they don't really need. But, <laughs> yes, that's the entertaining part of the industry. But, yes, it's certainly brought people into shops in WA. You know, oh, we can get it. This is the only place you can get it. So they go there because, you know, confident that it will work. They go there and buy some and they go back and buy it. And it's made quite a difference to some businesses in Perth as a result of that. And I'm sure it will do the same in any place in Queensland that wishes to take it on, let alone the other states. We've had people drive 300 kilometres into Adelaide to buy buy it and they probably combined it with other things. But while they were there, it was one of their things to do in Adelaide while they were there from 300 kilometres away. Yeah, get it in stock. (laughs) Well, hopefully everyone's listening. That's fantastic, mate. And yeah, I think that's I think that's great. Like I think it's fantastic that you've managed to overcome the freight problem. Yeah. Well we're doing all the work ourselves, which is a lot of work on my business manager. There's only four of us on the business. But yeah, you know, it's it's working out well. It's not a lot of work around you know, just selling a pellet load at a time and, and we can manage that. Just happen to have a trucking company around the corner from a bagging company from around the corner from my warehouse, all within a couple hundred meters. So as long as we can keep that, we're keeping, you know, some of our costs down and able to get the product to the customer in the east coast. Mm. Fantastic. What advice do you have to anybody out there who's looking to make a product in this space? Well, first of all, the hard one is getting a product with a high clay content. Most test of stuff from over east. That's just it's hard to find. And or even I don't even mean a clay I don't even mean a clay product. I mean anything in the soil amendment space or in even the gardening product space. Yeah, well, it's just getting the soil science right, which my particular view is different to the rest, or well, pretty well different to most of the rest of the industry, whether it's in gardens or on the farm, as I've still got my farm and you know, I actually do some trials and management of the land on there because that's my interest. But yeah, what first thing is getting the clay and then knowing how to amend it. And that's, no one seems to have learnt that yet. So that's a reasonably tightly held skill that I keep to myself, as you can, as you can well imagine. <laughs> I think it's great that you have different opinions to other people, and that's actually something that we really value here on the Plants Grow Here podcast. In fact, in our mission statement on episode one, we even say that we want people who disagree with each other on the show because we think that that actually builds a wider understanding. Well, I've certainly done that within the industry. I get some quite negative comments that some, oh, that can't work, that doesn't work. Yeah, well, I've turned my worst paddock on my farm to my best. That was a clay paddock, and they did what doesn't work. So is it controversial just because you're sort of... We've down home, we've got what they call the grey sodi clays, set like concrete, just pretty awful, actually. It's what they call weekend farming country, too dry Friday, too wet Saturday, Sunday, too dry Monday. And of course, but there is a solution and it's just getting the calcium on the soil in the right form. And the clay we're talking about is not even clay, it's not even a loam by soil classification. It's a sandy loam. The clay content is that low, it's 10%. So, but yeah, the problem I've got on that land now is the mineral levels are also low, like 20% of what you need to have a healthy soil. And that's a very expensive solution that I've got on my farm to try and remedy that over the next few years. Well, I'm starting on it, but I'll just horrendous the cost. Because how I started soil solver, I started with this clay, I found this clay patch, which is plenty of around, but I thought this is better than the 
rest, so I'll spread it on the paddock so it was a bit further to travel. And, of course, I didn't really get much response till I actually twigged that I had to remedy the calcium levels. And as soon as I did that, bingo, this sand, which never grew anything, is now growing crops. It's just, yeah, and it's still a long way from what we could do on that sand. And while some people might say, oh, you know, it's a waste of time, energy, money, well, it's got two things. It's got rainfall and it's got sunlight, and you've got to have that spread out to grow a crop. So you can't go and do all the work somewhere else. You've got to use all the area of the farm to utilise the available sunlight and rainfall. So we can amend the soil, but we can't shift the rainfall or the sunlight to somewhere else to make better use of the better soil somewhere else. So it's a matter of, all right, we've got the sand, but it's turned into something useful. And yes, once we do that, it would be start doing that on a national scale. My personal view is it will make a big difference to the agricultural production in Australia if we chose it a country to go down that road. What is it that people find so controversial about what you're saying? Is it mainly that you're sort of knocking organic matter? No. When it comes to farming, it's... Look, NPK is important when it comes to our commercial agricultural production and farmers use it sparingly because relatively it's very, very expensive for our returns. The problem is we're not correcting the the mineral levels on our soils and slowly depleting them and have depleted them. My generation cleared a lot of land. We just planted clover and it just grew, you know, two to 400 millimetres high every year to start with. And then suddenly now we're battling to grow clover in that same area. It's just, so the soil chemistry has changed and people are not, they just seem to think more MPK will fix it or some other magic solution. I'm just saying it's just, we've got to get the rock mineral into the soil that was deficient in the first place because initially the when we cleared it there was inbuilt fertility there for these minerals all we needed to do was add some phosphate calcium and sulfur and bingo we had clover that we couldn't grow but of course that did its run in about 10 to 20 years and we need to return to that by putting on the minerals so that nature can do its thing to give us our clover back and it's a expensive and difficult process to do as far as time goes because it's so expensive relative to our net income but the end result is you get clover back and clover is the powerhouse of any agricultural system in WA or Australia and other in the world because if we can get clover we can reduce our nice inputs and reduce our other chemical inputs because the clover is driving the yield and the legumes as well. And I mean very different plants used to grow on those soils than what we want to grow there. Well, that's right. We want to grow productive sort of plants which we can eat. Historically, a lot of the plants growing in my area, well, it would have been almost impossible to survive in my area because there's no fresh water. So you could have only got there in wintertime to try and access some of the nutrition. But the soils were that poor in nutrition that very quickly you would have consumed what was within the environment and had to move on. If it got too dry, you had to move back to the water well. It was... You know, it's very quickly to over exploit there, but you know, the water's number one. Mm, absolutely. You know, water's you need, you know, several times a day, but food you can get away with well, you know, every few days, but you still need a good amount of it. And it's what the whole world's need and the world wants cheap food and that's what we're providing, but it's at the cost to the environment. That's how I see it. Mm. Much much prefer better terms of trade so we can actually uh, look after the soil better and improve it. And actually improve the long-term yields and the 
quality of the food so that actually the people consuming it, the animals and people consuming it, actually are healthier. Is there anything that we haven't covered yet? Salsava is a good for training natives. Well, one of the things I've always wondered about, people were like, saying putting lots of organic matter on them, plant natives. Well, organic matter is high in phosphate and nitrogen often. And that was they recommending that, then turn around and say it doesn't need phosphate and nitrogen. Whereas the beauty of salsava, change, amending the soil, it's not amending it away from what the native plants would naturally grow in because there's no phosphate and no nitrogen in the product. So you're just overcoming the hydrophobic problem we've created. A lot of the hydrophobic problem was there in a mild sense before we cleared it. Since we cleared it, we've increased the hydrophobic problem dramatically and we've changed the mineral balance with our sulfur fertilizers, acid fertilizers. So we need to amend it back to more what nature had it and why not amend it with the right minerals as well so that the native plants can grow healthier as well. Because uh, believe you me, native plants like a good mineralized soil as well and I've seen it plants which are they grow 1.8 meters well 18 months later they're two meters high yeah it's no nitrogen being applied just it's the healthy soil okay gavin no worries mate thank you so much for coming on thank you different soil problems require different amendments and soil solver may or may not work for your soil type i do recommend getting some professional advice if you're not quite sure about what your soil type is If you can't find any information about Soil Solver in your local area, I definitely recommend checking out the Soil Solver website where you can find more details or even reach out to Gavin himself. If you know someone that struggles with sandy soil, please send them this episode so that they can have a listen and make a decision for themselves. Check out the episodes in our back catalogue because we've got heaps more industry-focused content similar to this. I don't think a civilization in, in the history of the world has ever survived without a basically a good, positive, renewable style of agriculture where they are amending the soils, spending the money on the land and keeping good, high-quality managers managing the farm. If we go away from that, I think it's going to be a slow downward trend because we're actually not paying farmers, so... Why do you go farming when you can earn more money doing something else? And eventually the land gets into decline and the civilization disappears. I think we can look back in history and probably see lots of instances of that where the farmers, the food growers, food production wasn't looked after uh, because the urban centralised people dis- discovered that they can remove the funds, the wealth from the agricultural sector and use it for their own benefit. The end result was food production declined. Uh, That's not a pretty sign anywhere in the world when food production declines. People get quite nasty to each other.